Welcome to Cowl Fans, a popped-off podcast, the casual fans' home for Overwatch League news. We're coming at you from the first Brandon studio in Tampa, Florida. I'm Allura Moore. I'm Haller. And we're going to jump right into it with right. Florida games. All right. First off, let's start with proud. Yeah. I'm proud of what Florida put out on the stadium this past week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these felt like quality losses. And it's it's been a minute since we've had quality losses. It usually it's just despair, emptiness, pain. These are usually the emotions I feel watching like Florida Mayhem. Like I start the match like this, by the end I'm like slumped in my chair and like my hat's off maybe. I've thrown it across the room. Been yelling, yeah, screaming on Twitter upset. maybe. Yeah. So like but this week it, even though we were losing, like we still had an 0 2 week. We're still winless mm -hmm. this stage. Correct. But these matches at least felt good. Like we went up gladiators, dragons, these are top echelons of the team. Like, in the stage, I think they're both in the top six for the stage ranking. So, like, the, these guys are looking like they're going to be stage playoff teams. And for sure. We didn't look like we just kind of rolled over and died. We, we made them work for it. It's true. It's true. I thought, we looked, um, I thought we looked particularly good against the Gladiators. I'd agree. Yeah. Um, I think we look like a cohesive unit. Our communication yeah. is definitely much improved. So, mm -hmm. full Korean seems to be working. Yeah. Um, especially over week two, right? So week one, we showed up right. with this full Korean thing, and we looked better. Yeah. Improved. Signs of life. Nice. Week two, we came back with this. Looked Blech. just like we'd done nothing. Yeah. Like nothing had ever happened. And then here we are in week three, and we look we look much better mm -hmm. than we did even in week one of this stage. Yeah. So we're actually getting that cohesive unit, that communication together that the team wanted. Mm -hmm. So that's really good. We played the Gladiators to, I think, a high level. I think we gave the Gladiators a run for their money. Yeah. I really think that we did. And <clears throat> um, there's not a lot of teams, I think, that are going to do that this stage, given that the Gladiators have a pretty easy strength of schedule, according to most people. I think that's probably right. a fair assessment. They're already 6-0, so right. there's only, like, one more game. I think it's against the Peel. Right. So that's probably a fair assessment. But th they, did, they did particularly well there. And, um, you know, our tank line, Swan, Zephyr, they're looking much improved. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really, you know, the more I'm, I learn, the better I try to be at this. Sure. <laughs> try to be. Um, the more it seems to me that the big area where communication will show that it's failing is in your tank line. Mm. So our tank line has always looked particularly bad. When they came to do this, they said, we're having a hard time communicating. Right. Tank line looks bad. Hard time communicating. Makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. So here they are looking much better. Okay, communication yeah. improved. And it seems like to me, too, which is probably slid a little bit more under the radar, which I think might be um, an additive towards Swan and Zephyr looking better, hmm. is Saya player feels more integrated on the brig role into the roster. He feel like early on um, in week one and week two, Saya player would often be kind of caught out, overextended, a little sure. disjointed. Um, and then you have these issues of, you know, Swan would seem like you'd never be able to push in because he would just die, right? Mm -hmm. um, so in situations like that, too, like I'm thinking, is he not getting the right resources? Is it bubbles? Is it armor packs? Maybe it was armor packs. But, like, I'm feeling like Saya player, he had to suddenly get used to a character. Like, he was probably our backup Zarya player. He wasn't probably used to the Brig role. Granted, Brig mechanically isn't, all 
that hard to pick up. But there's a lot of the decision making like, of Brig yes. is much harder, I exactly. think, than the decision making of a Widowmaker. Yes, or at least very different. At least very different. So it's going to take um, a little while to learn, figure out how you're going to be in the unit. I think he's definitely starting to feel more comfortable in that role, and oh, I yeah. think the team as a whole is better off for it. Yeah, and then against the Dragons, I don't think Florida looked as good against the Dragons as they did against the Gladiators. Yeah. And and I can't tell if this is a case of them playing to the level of their opponent, which, honestly, we haven't seen Florida do very much of. They've just mm-hmm. always been... Well, so for, to see them playing a little bit to the level of their opponent, I think is actually better for the t- Florida team as a whole yeah. than where they were. Because um, we definitely they didn't, didn't play to New York, right? Right. So, right. <laughs> so, but even though they didn't look, I don't think they looked quite as good as they did against the Gladiators, mm-hmm. they still looked good. Yeah. I mean, that was still a respectable game. Um, you know, it was respectable enough that Monty, in the middle of casting, went, Florida right now is not the worst team in the league. Like, mm-hmm. that guy loves to tell people they're the worst team in the league. Yeah. So, he does. awesome. Mon- Monty won't say something to be nice. He won't. <laughs> he says it because he believes the words he's saying. Correct. So, <laughs> so that felt, that was a good, I mean, moment of the week for me as far as I'm concerned. Monty telling that me That was the loudest the I clapped all week. I was very loud when he said that. Um um, Quite pleasing. We did have that fun swan dive where Swan on Reinhardt charged a far out of the sky. That was Total accident. He should not have been up on this guy. He was getting booped around by a Winston Primal Rage. <laughs> there were some people who were frustrated by it, actually. I saw some Mayhem fans go, "We this is another reason why we need a new tank line because Swan was way out of position. I was like, uh, he, he got was Primal Rage out. juggled yeah. people. Yeah, oh my gosh. it was frustrating. Okay, um, calm down, guys. Right. So, But all in all, all in all, very yeah. good. And I would say my one thing about probably why we struggled more against the Dragons is I feel like we're kind of, usually our strength is our DPS line. Saya player and uh, BQB are able to kind of flex on people. I think um, like we could play the Sombra role with BQB and stuff. Ding and DM are so good. They are extremely good. Even if you took Saya and... um, and BQB and had them supported by um, like a team that has more success with a different support and tank line, right? Like like the I, maybe not the NYXL is a perfect example right now. Let's <laughs> go with uh, like London or um, even the Gladiators, right? Like they would probably like really really shine. Like sure. I think th- that's our strongest piece of our roster, and there's not a lot of DPS duos who can keep up with them. Um, DM and Ding. So good. <laughs> I don't know if Those I call them our strongest part of our roster. I mean, really, we've been hearing a lot about Hagopun's great plays on yes. both the Ana and the Zen, mm-hmm. and and I feel like I feel like maybe not our support line as a whole, but I think probably between Hago and and BQB or Hago and Saya players probably where I would rank our our two best. I would say core. right now BQB and Hago. All right, blessed players in this meta. Because of the meta. I think I think Saya is still very strong. We finally he's popping off on Widow again. Sure. Like we're we're starting to see that his McCree looks fine. Like he's looking He's still not quite to the level that we saw him in season one. No, he is definitely a little rusty. Like he isn't because mm-hmm. that boy that boy grinds and that boy practices. <coughs> he's definitely grinding. God Excuse bless you, me. sir. He's definitely grinding it a lot. 
not not as much. Like it's it's noticeable. But I think if Saya player was able to get back on that grind because he didn't need to have a break. Even we've seen him on Zarya this week for times when uh, BQB is gonna go to the um like sometimes the sombra. The sombra or like sometimes there's like weird switches. Like he switches. Um, they start with BQB on the um on the Brigitte. I can't remember why. Like maybe we we're playing a Bastion or something, and Sai is mm-hmm. playing the Bastion, and then we need to go back to Goats, but BQB's already Brig, so he just switches to the Zarya. We did that on Blizzard World, I think, and I can't remember the exact reason why. So he's practicing these different roles, right? And he needs to have these pinned down, so he's probably not practicing quite as much the hit scan right. as he used to. So right, I would love to see Florida. I really don't know BQB's hero pool all that well, aside from the Sombra. Right. Um, is he is he have any projectile heroes at all? Because I feel like there are Junkrat, but not so much like the Farah. Mm. Not so much the Genji aren't things to think of. We're for seeing BQB. some other teams have some success with those kinds of things, so I would love to see Florida be able to pull something like that out of their hats. I would love to see Florida Mayhem pick up a dedicated projectile player or another flex DPS. I think that's kind of a hole in our roster. I think BQB and Sai are both good together, but mm. I feel like, like especially the Farah, there's some roles like we always see Zephyr on the Farah, right? Um, I would like to see um, a, like a dedicated projectile player. For sure, so that's that's one of the things I'm kind of looking out for. Especially, shout out to Bare Hands having a good little PR moment. Um, eh. on the broadcast, did you were you not as thrilled about it as I was? I was not super thrilled about it. It was basically a rehashing of his video. I thought, I, uh, with the exception with extra. of with the exception of the fact that he said we're aggressively recruiting. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we, we knew you were aggressively recruiting. You want to drop all of your non non Korean speaking players, which right. leads you with seven. You got to be doing something kind of aggressively at that point. It's I feel like that was kind of. By default. Right. It still feels good to hear it, especially from Mayhem. Like, you do assume by its default, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe they were just going to stick to the six, see how it goes, and then switch things up. So it's good to know, like, they're mm. already looking into things. I like that you heard, like, they're talking about run. They're, like, literally in communication with Runaway because they've created these great rosters. Vancouver Titans, if you don't know, used to be a team called Runaway back in Contenders. They had been together since really early 2017. Um, yep. The core of that Titans roster was around, and um, their six players have been together since, I think, July of last year, if not if not earlier. Sure. So these teams have been around, and then this team, their team gets picked up wholesale into um, the Overwatch League, and then everyone's like, okay, What's going to happen to Runaway? Runaway picked up these new players that nobody's ever heard of. And you're like, okay, you can't expect much out of new Runaway, right? Wrong. They just stomp contenders. They don't loot, drop a single map, and win the first season. And they still have yet to lose. Sure. We're not really here to talk about contenders. Still. But that, that, it's that, an that exciting you, prospect for That gives for you an idea, yes, that these guys are really good at scouting. It's also worth noting, though, let's, let's dial that back just a touch. Because mm. they're definitely good at scouting. Right. Especially in their Korean region, which is where we're going for. Yep. It's also worth noting, I think, though, the Korean region has really been constantly had talent pulled out of it. Yes. People are pulling talent out of the Korean region all the time. Right. So all the talent that's left in there really isn't going to be the caliber of our previous runaway team. And I think it's I don't I I know that's not there's no guaranteed way to say that without actually taking a contenders team mm-hmm. and pitting them against an Overwatch League team. I get that. But 
I think in general it's worth remembering that that place has been scouted to death. And then after it got scouted to death, Runaway scouted some awesome people for contenders. They may not be Overwatch League-level players just because they were in Runaway. I know right. I want to believe it because Runaway, what a story that was, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it's, a, it's a nice thought. But, but I want to be cautiously... I want to be cautious in my thought process about it. I don't want to get super hyped right. up and then be disappointed because it's a rare, it's a very real issue, you know. I think, mm-hmm. and I think the longer this league continues to recruit more talent, sure, we're gonna wind up seeing less of it come out of Korea just because the top talent's been scooped off the top of Korea. But counterpoint, fresh talent seems to replace old talent. Like just think about coming into the Overwatch League. Who were the titans of Overwatch? It was the Seoul Dynasty. It was the Dallas Fuel. How did they do in Overwatch League Season 1? Not well. Not so good. Like, it seems like for the average pro player, you have about a year to two years on top, and then most of them fall That's off. And there's whole there's a lot of argument things I mean, that can be said about that as well. New York Structure, XL is still support. a top-ranked team. Yes. Um, and London Spitfire ultimately came around to won the whole thing, and mm-hmm. while half of their roster was definitely Jisoo Busan, a brand-new roster in the right. first place, the other half of their roster was Kangju Panthera, not a brand-new roster. Mm-hmm. So I don't, think that's, I don't think that's entirely fair. I don't think that's going to continue to be the norm. Right. Especially with these coaching staffs and uh, support staff coming up alongside the players and backing them up more than they ever have in the past. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, there's more coaching to be had. There's more information to be had as from a player's perspective than there ever has been. So I think that's going to help them to stay relevant longer. So right. We got way off topic. Mm-hmm. But it was lots of fun. All right. Yeah. What's your match <laughs> of the week, Haller? My match of the week? Um, I'm going to cheat a little bit and just choose my team of the week, and that's going to be Atlanta Reign because both of their games were really, really exciting because I feel like I can't I can't not talk about both of them. Both of their games <laughs> were insane for completely different reasons, and comparatively, comparing the two, it just, what is going on in Atlanta? All right, first of all, Atlanta played the New York Excelsior Friday first thing. And I remember, so this is, this is how my day was. I'm like, all right. If you're afraid of spoilers, you should stop right now. Just go watch the game. Um, but if not, you're a casual fan, so you probably just want to listen to me talk about it. That's so true. Here we go. Um, so Atlanta versus NYXL. It's the first game of Friday, and Friday's games looked like they had a lot of potential, like the games afterwards. Um, I was really excited about them. This one, Atlanta's looks like a bottom-tier team. New York, top three. Probably going to be a stomp, right? Not really that interested. In fact, I didn't even watch the start. I was playing Overwatch with some friends. I was like, I want to play some video games. I just got home from work. want to play some video games before I spend the rest of the night watching Owl. I'm going to play Overwatch. I'll keep it on in the background. Glance over at my screen after the first map. I'm like, oh, Atlanta took control. I'm like, that's pretty crazy, but, you know, control's a different map type, right? And then New York's probably just going to stomp them here on out. Now there's going to require coordination and things like Mm -hmm. that. Atlanta takes Hanamura. And I was like, uh, gotta go, guys. See ya. Um... (laughs) What's happening? Daco being back in the lineup should not make yeah. this much difference. Yeah, Daco just comes back for a day, and it's like, boom, we we beat they. Spoiler alert! They beat the New York Excelsior. They beat them. Not only do they beat them, they beat them in the first three maps. The first team to ever do that in the regular season. The only other time that's happened was in the postseason in the uh, Philadelphia Fusion in the playoffs. Right. It's the only time they've been 
just beat three maps in a row right at the start. Yeah. Granted, they didn't get to pull off the 4-0. It ended up being a 3-1. But still, first time the first three maps have gone the other team's way in New York, which is an insane statistic. And of all the teams to do this, freaking Atlanta the Rain. Atlanta Rain, a week before, one week. We're not talking like, oh, this happened last month. The week before, the exact same time slot on Friday, the Atlanta Rain played the L.A. Valiant and lost to them, handing them their the first, first victory of the season. all season. And then you hand the New York Excelsior their first loss the next week? I don't understand. What? And, like, they looked, they looked really good. And... Granted, New York did look really bad. Like, I don't remember. If you remember, there was a week long gone when I, I predicted the New York going 0-2. And that's because I saw them doing, like, really weird ults, not comboing quite right. Sure. Especially the support line. Like, it seemed like I remember Animo and Jonak. <laughs> I remember you issuing a sincere apology to the New York Excelsior. Yes. But it seemed like this this New York Excelsior I kind of re-reared its head, like, Transcendences early. Um, they were investing them into strange fights. Sound barriers too. Like they just felt like they were really frustrated. And they just kept like throwing ults at Atlanta without really giving them the respect that they probably deserved, or um, really can giving respect to their own ult economy, like of just how goats works. Right? They were just kind of throwing them willy nilly. Mm. Um, so it felt like a lot of blunders on um, New York's side as well. But Atlanta did play really, really good. They were isolating Mono repeatedly. Erster is a nutbag. Dude's absolutely insane. Like, his break is so good. In my mind... Harper Erster. <laughs> Harper Erster, everybody. Um <laughs> God, but um, after like Hoxall, right? I would say the second best uh, Brigitte in the league is without a doubt Erster. That guy sets up so many plays for his team. Like the big shatters you see, the big Daco bombs, that all seems to be Erster. And it seems having Daco back in the roster so when he could communicate with better is really helping him. But mm. the dude's popping off. But like I think it was last week he got that 6K on Tracer. This week, like his junk rat's popping off. He just looks good on whatever this guy touches. He. So good. I would love for Florida to snipe him. I don't think they'd ever let him go, but no, probably that, not. that projectile player I want. I'd want Erster. But anyway, he like the dude looks insane. And so okay, okay. So they beat New York Excelsior, right? Right. Cool. Um then they play the Guangzhou charge. This was an amazing game. This, game. this was the longest game I've ever watched. Ridiculous. Last so time was like but I watched like a World Cup game that I remember, and like the Fr I think France played a map, and they they kind of did the same thing, but like absolutely ridiculous. So um, their assault map ended up going to eight, seven, and eight, right? I think it was both maps went seven and eight. I you had a no no you had a seven and six seven on and assault six, right, and seven, seven and, and eight, eight on on. Hybrid. Yes. Hybrid. Yes. So not only did we see four rounds of assault, basically, or three and a half, if you want to yeah. call it, because they didn't quite get point A, but they did. They capped both teams, capped A and B on Hanamura three, three times. times. <laughs> three times. Three times. Guangzhou did the entire thing like in overtime. Yeah. And then Doe was tweeting out, Time Bank is a state of mind. <laughs> 
I didn't see that. That's funny. Um, oh, man. It was hilarious. They do... It was unreal. Yeah. It was unreal. And yeah, and then and then they both do King's Row twice, twice. in full. And then get a third round where they get they both get A and then stop kind of just right past at, the right choke. past the gate. Yeah. But insanity. Like these matches were so long. Like we were kind of on time. I'm like, "Oh, maybe I go to bed early tonight or something." No. Like, no, this match goes so long. It was the the most like map points ever scored in Overwatch League history. Yeah. That includes the Shock versus Titans game. Yeah, that went to seven. seven maps. This was more than it. This was just four. And if you think about it, Control was just 0-2, and then Rialto was 1-3. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> so this is crazy to me, right? Okay. So the charge is sitting here like, we're evenly matched, boy, against the Atlanta. We're going to take you. It's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. We're going to take this all the way. They clear Rialto with a little bit of time in the bank. And I'm like, here comes Atlanta, right? I bet they clear Rialto also. Maybe maybe time Especially in the bank. Especially since how attack-heavy this whole game has been. Right. Maybe time in the bank. Maybe overtime. But I bet they clear it. So we have more. Just more points are going to get on the board. You'd like, you're thinking there's no way. Yep. And then Guangzhou Charge is like, we're done with this. We're just going to stop you now. Yeah. And they just turn on a switch and mm -hmm. have the most amazing defense. Yep. On point A, and boom, Atlanta doesn't make it. Mm -hmm. And they get real close to making point A, didn't yeah. they? Um, they actually got caught. They had some good moments. Um, oh, they got caught Blanca around the corner put, in the courtyard. Yeah, the corner. They never even got across the courtyard, yeah, to the bridge. Mm. Mm. So. And, it, and, you know, in the courtyard, it should be a pretty even easy place to pass through, right up to the bridge. Yes, that's usually it's it's hard to push out that initial choke, right. that initial corner. Right. But then after that, yeah, you basically just get the courtyard for free, and then you fight one last time at the bridge. And I mean, really and Guangzhou underpass. and Guangzhou is showing off Chinese strats as well with Eileen's Doomfist. Okay, okay, I want to talk replacing about replacing a tank because that's something that was happening in Chinese contenders was they right. were they weren't doing it quite like this because they didn't replace a tank. They did They replaced Brig. Did they replace Brig? Yes. I thought they replaced Diva. They replaced. Cause, cause Atlanta kept playing, no, no, Guangzhou kept playing the Ana, cause Atlanta was playing Diva with Cops. Crap. Yeah. All right, go ahead, go ahead. I forget. Okay. Apparently. So, <laughs> but it was still, it was really interesting to watch how this played out, and this is, and why it was breaking the Atlanta rain as much as it did, and I was, and you actually got to see this throughout the week as well. Like this is something that's starting to pop up more. Um. Crystal comes to mind was uh, running yeah. the Doom Fist for the yeah. Spark, and I think like there were a couple other times up until this point you really hadn't seen Doom Fist, and now no. all of a sudden he seems like he's inching back, and this is how teams are playing it, so it's really really cool. So what? So he'll usually get the high ground somewhere so that he can dive into the back line, and he goes straight for the back line. Now, if a Doom Fist is in your back line, you need to punish him. So the Brig. Instead of staying up with their with their Reinhardt, um, now to counter the Doomfist is usually staying in the back line trying to protect their Zen. Um, so they're back with their Zen. The Lucio's usually there to play. Well, it means with there's no one well. there to make plays for the Reinhardt. Exactly. So it's splitting the team. So right when Eileen dives in, so many resources go there. Bubble for the Zenyatta, armor pack for the Zenyatta if he gets hit. Um, stun on the Doomfist from the Brig. And then, meanwhile, the other five members of the Guangzhou charge is just like, well, there's this Reinhardt just kind of sitting, sitting here. here. We're gonna we're gonna kill this guy. 
And it doesn't help that Eileen's getting the kills anyway. Mm. <laughs> so Even in open thing. ground, he's in wide open yeah. spaces. It's still fighting him. But it's like people didn't, they didn't seem to know how to understand how to split their team properly to deal with what was being thrown Well, at the them. problem is in GOATs, the more you split up, the more right. people in each group, yeah. right? If you split into two groups of three, mm -hmm. that's the worst possible scenario. Right. Your optimal scenario is no more than one person gets split off of your mm -hmm. team. So Guangzhou goes, okay, well, we'll sacrifice the one to get, if we get yeah. two pulled off I, of them. Basically, you play it like Sombra goes, right? Like, they, she harasses the back line, but Doomfist has so much more pick potential. Kill potential, potential right. Because, like, a lot of teams, like the Vancouver Titans especially, you play Sombra goes in the Vancouver, you play it in the Shock, all they're going to do is, like, okay, we know where the Sombra is now. They're not near your team. We're just going to roll into your team 65 and take you out before right. the Sombra can even do anything. You can't do that to a Doomfist. If you try to ignore the Sombra and just take out the other five members as a full six-man, Doofus is just going to punch your Zenyatta or punch your Reinhardt into a wall, and you're done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you so have you to So you need careful. to pay attention to him, but you also need to pay attention to the other five guys. This seems like a really, really strong strat. Against 3-3 in particular. Yeah, when played by the right Doomfist. And it's not like we've actually seen this before. It just didn't look like, for whatever reason, we could see it on the Overwatch League level. It's something I used to talk about. Like, I talk about it to my girlfriend, and we'd be talking about um, back, like, contenders. We are waiting for Owl, so we'd watch a lot of contenders. Right. There was a team in Korea that was running this Doomfist. And it's like, why is this, on this the only team in the world right now that can seem to play this Doomfist? And then you get into Owl. No Doomfist, no Doomfist, no Doomfist. Suddenly, Doomfist. it's here. Here it is. And it's awesome. It's very exciting. Yeah. All right, so let's let's hit into our things of note. Okay. All right, we had some records broken. Obviously, the, the, new, the Atlanta versus Guangzhou, most map points ever in an Overwatch yep. League game. New um, York's undefeated streak, gone. Gone. Um, somebody broke the map win record previously held by the Outlaws. I think I wrote down the wrong Shock. thing here in my notes. Shock. That's right. Yep. Um, Florida still in last place in the standings. Oof. Feels bad. Yep. They at Florida is out of the stage playoffs officially. Sure. Um, I two teams clinched it. LA Gladiators and Shock are officially in. Right. So we're starting to get into stage Titans playoffs. Titans and New York are all but in. Um, London looks like they're London just looks about like they're in probably too. in. And then it's the last three slots. There's I think more. That there's leads? three more slots that are kind of in contention. Yeah. The, um. It it's not looking as close as it did in stage one. Not quite. I mean, there's a few people who aren't quite in top eight right now who definitely are in contention for a top eight spot. Mm -hmm. No doubt about it. But are there, like, five teams vying for or, – or no, 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 not five. Are there, like, six teams vying for the last three slots? No. Mm. Not like there was last season. Or last stage, excuse me. Um, and this upcoming is a Dallas Homestead weekend. Yes. Yes, it's next week. It's going to be super exciting. And Dallas – Sold out a 4,500-seat arena for two nights. Crazy. This is huge. Crazy. Now, people are taking this a lot of ways. I just want to hit on this real quick. Okay. This does not mean that Overwatch League is sustainable as a 4,500-seat arena constant selling out tickets. This means that for big yes. events, Overwatch League is selling tickets. Yes. Out the wazoo. Now. Mm-hmm. Dallas should not build a 4,500-seat no, arena. No, 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 no. Don't do that. No, 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 no. All right? No, no, Philadelphia's no. trying to build a 3,500-seat arena, and I don't know if that's their smartest decision either. But they're not doing it for this next season. They're doing it for the 2021 season. They got season. Comcast money. They fine. Whatever. 
I don't think that's their best decision either way. But for this, the, the, I think this goes to, points to the fact that Dallas can easily sell out between 500 and 1,000 seats regularly. Right. I think they could probably – I think Dallas's optimal arena size is looking at 1,500 to 2,000 seats. Mm-hmm. Right? About half of this, once or twice a week. I think that's sustainable and achievable. Right? And you don't need to sell out all every event. Yeah. Because that it, do- it doesn't even happen in regular sports. It doesn't happen in regular yeah. sports, right? You need to sell out fifty to seventy five percent of your seats every event. That's your goal. Probably yeah. That's your objective. Yep. So and then you I have think, season pass holders who they right. don't show up, you're still getting money. You good. Right. So I think Dallas easily feels seven hundred seats a game, which means fifteen hundred seats to two thousand seats is your sweet spot in your for their arena size. And I think this does go to show though that if we don't try to get too big for our britches, Overwatch League has extreme capabilities of being sustained in home markets. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, too, because, like, um, Atlanta is coming up, I know, in I, – because I could speak to July. this a little bit better. Yeah, in July. That's when it's coming up. And I know there's a lot of Floridians looking to go to this Atlanta homestand because it's nearby. Right. Right, if Atlanta was having home games regularly, would Floridians be going to Atlanta to to watch every game? No, probably not. Maybe you go for a mayhem fan, a mayhem game because you have the time off and you're a really big mayhem fan. Sure, yeah, maybe there's some kind yeah. of people who travel to those games, but it's not going to be a regular thing, especially considering we're going to have our own home stadium. But I and right. I feel like it's the same thing. And you got to remember that you got to remember that DC is involved, especially too, in that Atlanta homestand, right? So there's like three big ga- right. Teams right, and there. so there's like a lot of people, like anyone who's like in the South is going to Atlanta. Probably people in like even in some parts of the South as well, and in the Midwest, they're going to be going to this Texas this game mm-hmm. because it's nearby um right. so it's it's having a larger draw of people than it normally would it also helps that texas has two teams yes so that's gonna and, pull in people and two rabid fan bases on mm-hmm. top of that for sure <laughs> so, so it's gonna be lots of fun yeah i'm really excited to see how it's gonna play out i i just want to see the thing i'm looking most at is like the production level. I want to see if the production level feels like it drops off or it stays the same standard that we get in Blizzard Arena because that's a common critique. That, that is going to be dependent on on each individual person's view of what production level means. Sure. Right? So, because let me just... Go for if it. If your view of production level is the LED wall, <laughs> you're probably going to be disappointed. Those things are wildly expensive. Mm-hmm. Wildly expensive, even to rent and to put together and to troubleshoot and figure all that out, if you're not installing it for a long term in a space, you're probably not putting one up that big. Not mm. like that. All right? Now, if your level of production is quality camera crew, screens where they need to be, um, good good opportunities for fan, fan interaction, probably the Halo. I think most most places need to get that Halo thing going on. Right. Probably the Halo. If you're if those are your qualifiers, you know, and those things performing and operating well, I think we're gonna be then then we have a chance to be be pleased, right? right. But don't expect the giant video wall everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Most people aren't gonna do that. We used to consider Apex the peak of the Apex of Overwatch production. Yep. <clears throat> and even when Overwatch League first came out, everybody still generally thought that Apex had just as good or better production value as Overwatch League does. Yeah. That's the kind of production value you're go- you should expect. That's the kind of production I think you should expect from this Dallas 
event. Lots of props on the stage, maybe a big screen to watch things, some small screens, maybe around the players. But for the most part, not the giant all encompassing wall of video. Mm -hmm. Right. And then colored lights to shine the colors of the team that's winning. Those are the kinds of things I think you need to expect. Please, please do not. Please, please don't go. No video wall is bad. Production bad. And a production lol. No. <laughs> no do. Okay. All right. Do you have any other things to note? Because I have one thing to note. Okay. Are we going to look at the standings? Uh, I wasn't going to talk about the standings I have too much. one thing I want to point out. Okay. Just because it's a Hit cool it. little point you can look at to show just how volatile and close the majority of the league is. Sure. Shanghai Dragons last week came into the start of this past week at 16th. Mm-hmm. They ended in, I want to say, 9th. Yeah. A seven-point jump in a week. It's worth noting, though, place jump. that how many games we've played, uh, on average, 10 to 12 per team. Yes, that seems fair. Okay. Somewhere between 10 and 12, depending on which team you are. Shanghai Dragons won both of their games this past week. Yep. Anybody who lost both of their games this past week created a four-game differential between the two of them. Right. If you said they won two games and it bumped, bumped them up two places or nine places, I'd think that's ridiculous. But you have to remember that even a single loss compared to their two is a three-game differential when there's only between 10 and 12 games happened so far. That's a quarter of their games. Right. That's a huge amount. So – the league is still very volatile because uh, mm-hmm. because we're still pretty early on. But it's There's still cool. It shows that there is a fair amount of competition. Like if Florida won two games this week, they wouldn't go very high, right? No. But there's a really strong middle of the there's pack a good right now that's still up for grabs. That's like true. A lot of our teams that were at the top of the standings last, last stage, like the Toronto Defiant, um, are kind of falling off. The Atlanta Reign, too, kind of falling off. Um, so you're there's a and a lot of these teams that were kind of on the lower end of the mid table are also starting to climb. So there's there's still a lot of room and a lot of things up in the air. Like uh, outside are maybe top three, top four. Right. The whole rest of the game still seems like it's really very up much for up for grabs, grabs so. for sure. All right, hit me with our games that we need to look forward to. What do we need to be looking out for in this Dallas Homestead weekend? So this is going to be a shorter weekend, right? So there's not as many games to pick from. It's just going to be a Saturday and a Sunday. It's true. So it's what week five was last stage, kind of a a lesser Overwatch week. So I'm going to give the match that I think as far as a gameplay perspective should be the closest. And I'm looking at the Hangzhou Spark versus the Chengdu Hunters. So... The okay. Spark definitely seem like they're on the rise. The Hunters are still always kind of hard to place. Um, yeah. There's claims in the desk, like Sideshow pointing out, this team's kind of getting figured out. Like, their novelty isn't novel anymore. You kind of understand the off-meta things that they're going to run, and they're going to try, so you can prep for them. I'm not so sure about that. I still think they do throw different looks. It's just, what are the strengths of those looks? But I think Spark is a team that can also throw different looks. Um, and it, it's, it's definitely a team on the rise. So I kind of have these two teams, like, probably pretty similar in the power rankings and with a few question marks of how strong is Chengdu and how strong is Spark. So it's a game I'm really interested in to see. I think it should at least be fairly close. And it's always fun to watch a Hunters match. It is. Like, 
It's never not And it's been a lot of fun to watch the Spark <laughs> matches, honestly. It has been, So yeah. this should be a super entertaining yeah. match. So I think that one will be really cool. Um, both of these teams are fan favorites, too. Everyone loves Hangzhou Spark because they're pink, I guess. And, be- yeah, they like the run- former runaway colors, and they love all of their social media posters. Yeah. And then everyone loves the Hunters for their wacky strats. So it's like people are going to be excited about this game, too. So that's going to be cool. But the other game that I'm looking at because people are going to be hyped, oh, duh, it's the the battle for Texas. Sure. It's going to be nuts. We're These, finally going to get to see this happen in a place yeah. where there should be as much energy as the battle for L.A. Right. Well, you should know this, I, I would imagine. If anybody knows this, it would be you. What's okay. the capacity of Blizzard Arena? Do you know? 500 people, right? give or take. 500 people. And you know the energy when you watch the battle for L.A. You're like, holy crap. This is going to be 4,500 people. Mm-hmm. Every, and you know, in like other games, like maybe not everyone's going to be present in the crowd. Everybody's going to be in the stadium for Dallas versus Houston. And there's going to be a lot of Houston fans. There's going to be a lot of Dallas fans. They're going to be being very loud to drown the other each other out. That's true. That game is going to be crazy and i'm super hyped to see it on my end because i think the closest we've only really seen to a crowd like that is going to be grand finals which was granted twenty thousand people sure but it also wasn't like to battle it wasn't a battle for la or a battle for texas kind of event right either. and and the crowd was definitely because i was there heavily favored diffusion i don't hmm. think you're gonna get that i think it's gonna be a Houston lot more bust evenly into that event for yeah. free and and like more people the new york area like you're in the tri-state area there's going to be more philly fans it seems like fans in the united states are more prone to cheer for a western team versus an all-korean team right um so there's a lot of factors that are going into like and, and it's an american team versus a technically a european team you can look at it that sure. way as well philly is going to have a lot more fans there yeah um so like it was definitely a very heavy Fusion favored crowd. This is going to be just both of them are going to have an insane fan base presence. Listen, I think. listen, and it's going to be nuts. We need to be careful. Okay, we need to be careful. Okay. Again? No, Dad, no, 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 stop no. ruining my fun. I'm sorry, sorry, <laughs> son. <laughs> Stadium workers need to be careful. Mm. We're going to have an intense Texas rivalry on our hands. Mm. All right, in a in a in an environment of Overwatch, which traditionally does not separate their fan bases in the stadium. Mm. Please don't let them stick together. <laughs> you are asking for trouble. Mm. Any sports fan, you don't, you, don't, you don't go to a Green Bay game, cheer for the other team, and sit in the Green Bay side of the stadium. You don't do it. Yep. That would be stupid. Mm-hmm. Right? Please be careful. Even Blizzard Arena, the... Whoever is away that game, they're all seated on the away side. It tends then, to happen, but yeah. it doesn't always happen. Right. All right? So I'm just saying, please be be mindful of the fact that this is going to be a emotional high moment where somebody is going to come out a loser. All right? All right. Good. And, and one of these team bases are known to have a particularly rambunctious fan base. Safe. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, the Dallas fans are pretty intense, but but they're not the kind of rambunctious that the Houston fans can be. And Houston's not looking great. And I feel like they're both rambunctious, and they're both. I mean, Dallas had a tough week. Houston had a tough week. And when these teams lose, they like 
are basically like out for blood on Twitter. Like the second your team loses, they're trying to fire people, gets rid of Zachary, get rid of Arhan, mm. fire Flame, fire Kai Kai, fire Hastro, like all these things. Like the second I'm like, you guys lost like a game. We lose all the time. <laughs> and we're just like, yeah, maybe it's time to let go of Mineral. It's been a year and a half, you know? We're not just <laughs> like after a game, like, Sire Player, you didn't hit a shot! You're right. You know, like but yeah. these teams are like, oh, they're I oh. just <laughs> forty five hundred people. Just be careful. And, and, and if you're going to be there, guys, be be nice. Be nice. Now, normally we go into Florida matches to look forward to next week. There are no Florida games. They're not going to be at the Texas. Nothing. That's the Dallas yep, homestand. Got the week off. I'm going to talk about them anyways. Are you ready for this? No, I'm actually. You're not. Completely I got unprepared. you. I got you. <laughs> Okay. Florida, you have a week off. Pick up a player right now. Like today. Mon today is Monday. Pick up a player today. Mm -hmm. This is your best opportunity to pick somebody up during this stage and have time to practice with them. Literally does not get any better than this. But if you're doing that, they have to pick up an Overwatch League player. Because if they pick up a player from Contenders Korea, there's no way they're going to oh, yeah. get a visa and get here. Their, their chances of picking up a Contenders Korea player and them getting here in any sort of reasonable but, amount of time is very small. And there are options out there. Panker? Do trading. Do trading right now. Yeah. Right right now. Do it before I get this podcast on the internet. <laughs> All right? About 11.30. You have it until 11.30. I, I don't think that'll happen because they're, the, they're on the West Coast. They're on gamer time. I, I give it until, like, you got it until, like, four in my eyes, guys. Well, either way. I mean, this is this is your biggest opportunity to get somebody in there, integrated into the roster, practiced with the team so that you can push them out Something. and use them. We need a player. Coaches, we still only have one coach probably working remotely. That needs to change. We need more support staff for him. We need some assistant coaches at the very least. Right. Maybe an – I don't know if we have an analyst, what's going on there. Um, we, we need something. Staff – players this is the time to i add agree them. with him that this is a good time to add players especially if you could pick up something with overwatch league talent and there are some people who are just sitting on benches or so there's some really good diva players in atlanta who seem to be having squabbles with their team reportedly who might do better on an all korean roster that's i don't even i don't even know <laughs> if we want to go there we have enough <laughs> things to deal with that may not be the best decision but honestly try something you've been trying things They've been kind of working. You got to keep trying things or you'll eventually stagnate. And don't stagnate here. This is not the time to stagnate. All right. We did it. Another successful episode of Casual Overwatch League fans. Thank you for watching. We would like to ask you to please like, share, tell all of your friends, give us five star ratings on like iTunes and stuff. That'd be super great. Subscribe to us. We're on Spotify, Google Play, iTunes. Follow us on social media. At Cowl Fans, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're on the big three. <clears throat> I guess we could get on Snapchat, but that's so much work. Not going to happen. So follow us on the big three. All right? Big thanks to the Popped Off guys who take really good care of us and help us to be much better than we would be on our own. On behalf of Howler and myself, I got this figured out. Oh, my God. Thank you for watching. Have a wonderful week. And we'll see you next Monday. Bye-bye.